back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by William Morris. He was a British poet who also worked as a novelist and a translator, and even as a textile designer and a social activist. There's a lot going on in William Morris's work and in his life. Harold Bloom referred to him as a gifted lyrical and narrative poet, um, one who is not read as widely as he ought to be. He compares favorably Bloom suggested to the likes of Tennyson. And Bloom remarks that his, uh, really, he's, a, he's a long narrative poem called uh, Sigurd the Volsung, which is rarely read anymore, but which is worth it, according to Bloom. I, I myself have not read that, so that might be worth checking out if you've got the time and the interest. Bloom also notes that his social activism in some ways obscures the quality of his poetry, uh, make, kind of diminishes it. And he says that, that that's a, a negative thing. Bloom claims that he's actually way more gifted as a poet than his reputation uh, maybe suggests. He was involved in the early socialist movement in England, uh, and in some ways his poetry has therefore been forgotten. But some have said that his work was one of the precursors or the early, the early influencers on what we think of as fantasy literature today. In particular, you see that in, apparently, in that Sigurd the Volsung. And I think you also see that in the poem that I'm going to read today, which we'll get to right away now. It's called A Garden by the Sea, and this is how it goes. I know a little garden close, set thick with lily and red rose, where I would wander if I might from dewy dawn to dewy night and have one with me wandering. And though within it no birds sing, and though no pillared house is there, and though the apple boughs are bare of fruit and blossom, would to God her feet upon the green grass trod, and I beheld them as before. There comes a murmur from the shore, and in the place two fair streams are, drawn from the purple hills afar, drawn down unto the restless sea. Dark hills whose heath bloom feeds no bee, dark shore no ship has ever seen. Tormented by the billows green, whose murmur comes unceasingly unto the place for which I cry. For which I cry both day and night, for which I let slip all delight, whereby I grow both deaf and blind, careless to win, unskilled to find, and quick to loose what all men seek. Yet tottering as I am, and weak, still have I left a little breath to seek within the jaws of death an entrance to that happy place, to seek the unforgotten face once seen, once kissed, once reft from me amid the murmuring of the sea. If you listen to yesterday's reading of The Lady of Shalott, I think you'll certainly see some similarities in, in the way that he writes and um, even thematically with Tennyson. You can see the sort of ghostliness of, of it pretty clearly, I think, that there's that spirit, well, no pun intended, kind of hovering over the poem. In the best poems of the English language anthology, Harold Bloom notes in his introduction to the works of William Morris that this particular poem is ideal for memorization. And he, he refers to its incantational verve, which is what makes it good for memory, which I think he says makes it readily available for possession by memory. And that's such a great sentence for a, a, a poem that is about sort of a ghostly figure, right? Or, or at least the desire for a ghost to return, perhaps, or the longing for someone who is no longer there. The incantatory verve, 
which makes it readily available for possession by memory. There's a little bit of poetry there by Harold Bloom, but there's a poem that begins with sort of a traditional romantic suggestion. I know a little garden close, set thick with lily and red rose. The rose, of course, is a very romantic symbol. It's a key symbol of both medieval and romantic thought, uh, particularly poetry. And so that's the sort of setting the scenario, the suggestion that William Morris is offering at the beginning of the poem. But then he wanders from that, even using the word wander in line three, right? The romance is in the heartbreak. <laughs> um, the, ro- the romance is buried in heartbreak. When I read this poem, I think of the Garden of Eden. I think of Adam and Adam after the fall in the Garden of Eden. There's a garden of purity, the lily and the red rose, where he would wander, if I might. The Bible talks about Adam and Eve walking and talking with God, where I would wander, if I might, from dewy dawn to dewy night and have one with me wandering. The surface implication being that that's the lover, the beloved, Eve maybe, but also perhaps that's God walking with him. And that, of course, goes away. No birds sing there anymore. Nothing's the same. So there's this sense of what was that permeates his memories and that is disturbed, is tormented is a word that's used. There's a restlessness that's used. Um, there's a murmur is another word that's used. Those are words of, of a peace, of a tranquility being disturbed, of anxiety even. There's, these, there's constantly words of, of um, destruction, um, of things being perverted or um, disturbed or ruined. Um, there's blindness and deafness and torment. And these are all the anxiety, all these things come together. And, there's, and it's this sense of there's, there once was a tranquility that has been turned on its head, has been destroyed, eliminated. Yet in the midst of that, Adam is pursuing the face that he once saw and the jaws of death in the midst of everything that has been ruined. He's seeking after that purity again, or at least the face of the one that he knew there. And so in some ways... It's a very sad poem, but Morris seems to drop in a little hint of hope. And I'll let you decide for yourself whether this is a poem that is actually hopeful. But here it is one more time, William Morris's A Garden by the Sea. I know a little garden close, set thick with lily and red rose, where I would wander if I might from dewy dawn to dewy night, and have one with me wandering. And though within it no birds sing, and though no pillared house is there, And though the apple boughs are bare of fruit and blossom, would to God her feet upon the green grass trod, and I beheld them as before. There comes a murmur from the shore, and in the place two fair streams are, drawn from the purple hills afar, drawn down unto the restless sea. Dark hills whose heath bloom feeds no bee, dark shore no ship has ever seen tormented by the billows green whose murmur comes unceasingly unto the place for which I cry. For which I cry both day and night, for which I let slip all delight, whereby I grow both deaf and blind, careless to win, unskilled to find, and quick to loose what all men seek. Yet tottering as I am and weak, still have I left a little breath to seek within the jaws of death, an entrance to that happy place, to seek the unforgotten face, once seen, once kissed, once reft from me, anigh the murmuring of the sea. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks for listening. Be back tomorrow with another one.